I'm Keith Bullock. I'm Don Povia. Both of the outside game. And you're listening to the On the Board Sports Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the On The Board Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Sean on the mic. Happy Wednesday to all. Hope everyone is staying safe and at home. Always joined by my, my main man, my co-host, William Chirucci. Will, how you doing, pal? Comments here from Long Island, New York. It's, it's a great day. It's a beautiful day. Uh, but we're here. We're talking sports, and we have a very special guest with us today, Sean. Joining us from New Jersey is the one and only Gordon Damer of ESPN Radio. Gordon, thank you for joining us, and thank you for sacrificing some time. How are you? Guys, how are we doing? I'm doing good, man. It is a beautiful day outside. My uh, landscapers are going by right now, so I'm hoping it won't uh, interfere in our feed at all. But uh, it's a good day. It's a quiet day. And unfortunately, we, we can only talk about sports instead of watching. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But first and foremost, Gordon, you're a New York-bred kid. Well, now, you know, you're, you're an adult now, but you're a New York bred kid from Queens. Sean and I were from Queens originally. Talk to us about your love and your passion of sports and why you wanted to join and become a part of the sports radio business. Uh, you know, I was always really into sports as a kid. That was always my passion. The Yankees were always my passion as a kid. A little bit later on, I got into football and I got into the Dolphins. And those are the two things that really carried me through childhood college, adulthood, and they still really are the two primary things. There's other sports that I follow, I'm interested in, uh, but those are the two primary ones. And when I was in college, you know, high school, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. College, even, I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. But my folks were always big on, you know, find something, find a job that won't feel like a job. Uh, so when I was in college, you know, I was kind of a liberal arts major and decided to try out in communications and went to the radio station St. John's and it was just something that I was good at. I was good at speaking, I was good at reading, uh, I was good at talking out loud and that's, <laughs> that's pretty, those are the three pre, pretty much pillars of, um, of uh, sports broadcast or at least the start of sports broadcasting. So when that kind of came together combined with my love of sports it just seemed like a, a natural fit. Gordon, where did you go to high school in Queens? Uh, I actually grew up on Long Island. I was born in Queens, five years okay. old. I moved out to Long Island. We moved out to Seaford. So I went to St. John the Baptist High School all the way out in West Iceland. Uh, gotcha. so that's where I went to high school. And then I went to, uh, when I got out of there, you know, I, I, you know, I was looking for a college. I went to CW Post for one year. Uh, didn't really mesh there that well. And then I eventually took a trip to see uh, St. John's University. And that was a much better fit for me. And that's where I got my degree in communications. Absolutely. That's an awesome thing right there, Gordon. That's awesome, Gordon. Gordon, so as we saw the 10-part MJ doc, what were your thoughts, your opinions, and what did you take away from watching that? Um, look, I thought it was awesome. It was a perfect thing to come along in this time, right? Like, where you don't have any sports to watch, we're all – but we were all kind of on board to begin with, right? It wasn't like a documentary series that you're like, mm, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get it. As soon as you saw that promo, I don't even remember where the promo aired. Maybe it was around Christmas time or somewhere around New Year's. As soon as you saw that promo, you're like, oh, my God, that's going to be good. 
and it was good. I enjoyed it. Uh, I don't re- I, I, I can see some of the criticisms of it that it really was not trying to paint a broad picture of the time. It was trying to, it was Michael Jordan's basically take on everything that happened with his team. Uh, he was the, the, the alpha and the omega of that team. He was the alpha and the omega of that documentary. So um, I thought it did kind of end a little disappointing. I think it was episode seven where he talked about his leadership uh, and how, you know, you have to match him. I never asked anybody to do anything that I wasn't willing to do. And the way that episode ended, I was like, wow, that, that was awesome. And then episode eight was kind of like a mishmash of things. Uh, didn't really seem like it had a real linear thing. That, you know, most of the episodes, they went back in time. They talked about the final season, but they also interweaved, you know, a, a person. Either it was a Rodman episode or a Pippin episode or a Phil Jackson episode or, or something along those lines. Episode 8 really didn't have that. And I felt like the way Episode 9 and 10 ended, it was still good. I still really enjoyed it. Um, but I, I did kind of fall maybe a little bit off the peak that it was at after Episode 7. That's well, well said, Gordon. As well said. Gordon, I'm a huge fan uh, of your show. I am up because I start work at 5 o'clock. So God I'm bless you. Early. We need all – Sean, we need to tell, tell two friends. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I actually took part in the poll. Um, uh, you had a poll saying, you know, like which doc of a player or of a team uh, would we right. like to see. So see I next, have right. A, right. So I have a player for you that I want okay. that I want your take, and I have a team. All right. So I'll start with the player first. Yankee fan, what do you think about a Roger uh, uh, Clemens uh, um, doc? Clemens is a fascinating character because you can have the Red Sox years, the Yankee years, the fact that he's not going to make the Hall of Fame, all the steroid stuff. I, I don't know. You know, the, the part of the poll question was 10 parts, right? right. Who, could, who could, you know, you got to have a really epic kind of personality that transcends sports. I think Clemens is up there. I don't know necessarily it would be my first choice, but it wouldn't be the worst choice either. I, I, could, see, I could see something like that. Okay. And the team would be the – even though they were only together for four years, the Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, LeBron James Heat. What do you think? Yeah, see, I don't think, I don't think there's enough, you know, like you could kind of do the – I don't know if there'd be that much interest in him. You know what I mean? Like I don't feel like that's the – you know, when you talk about LeBron, yeah, that's a big part of LeBron's legacy and his, his career. But I think that his return to Cleveland – is the more epic kind of story, right? And, like, if you were going to tell a story about LeBron, I think that that would be the capper of the story rather than, you know, he was kind of looked at as the villain for going to, to Miami back then, right. you know? So, uh, 10 part. look, it, I, you could do a documentary, certainly have the personalities and the teaming up and the secret meetings behind the scenes and all the anticipation of every, you know, we were all sitting there waiting for the decision, which everybody crushes, but we were all sitting there watching it, right? Like, it wasn't right. like we were like, ah, I'll find out about no, we were all sitting there waiting. It was a brilliant idea at the time. Um, but I, 10 parts, I don't know if I could do 10 parts on that. I don't know if I'd be that interested in it. Gordon, you look at, you know, speaking of a, a dynasty team, a team that really doesn't get much love in the New York sports scene, the New York Islanders, okay? Yeah. I'm sh- you know, they won their four straight Stanley Cups. They made it to five straight Stanley Cup appearances, 16 players from those teams wound up getting four Stanley cup rings and 19 straight playoff series victories uh, in a row. Would, would there be some sort of interest in case there would be a uh, 
10-part documentary or even a two-part, three-part documentary, whatever the case may well, be. Well, look, sir, you're absolutely right. In terms of not getting the respect that they deserve, that, uh, that Islander dynasty, which was a true dynasty, and we don't have that many of them in New York. You know what I mean? Like, there's not that many dynasties. You know, the Jets have never had a dynasty. Uh, the, the Knicks, I guess, maybe had a little bit of one, but not really. You know, you're talking about the Yankees, and you're talking about, you know, maybe – I don't even know if you could say the Giants were a dynasty. I think you're talking about the – if you're talking about dynasties year in, year out, I think you're talking about the Yankees and you're talking about the Islanders. I think the Islanders have two things going against them. A, while 1980 doesn't seem that long ago to some of us, what I find more and more with, you know, different either sports context or entertainment, you know, context, the younger fan has absolutely no interest and no idea and no context for what happened before they were alive. Now, 1980 doesn't seem like that, it's that long ago to me, but I think that getting people you know, focused on something that did take a long time ago now to most people, uh, I think would be a little difficult. And then also it's hockey, it's the fourth sport, and it's the, you know, the clear, at least second market, you know, not the big, I mean, the Islander fans are diehard fans. The problem is there's just not that many of them. You know what I mean? So I don't know if there would be the interest of, um, you know, a 10-part documentary series on the Islanders, especially when it's hockey and it is, you know, 40 – I know it's crazy to say it's like 40 years ago now, but it is 40 years ago now. Yeah. Gordon, you look at everything right now. You're, you're a Dolphins fan, and, Ugh. you know, you, <laughs> you – A, how did you become a Dolphins fan? And, B, what did you think about this year's draft class for, for your team? Well, Dolphins' story is pretty simple. I was always kind of, you know, contrarian. Uh, my dad was a Mets and Jet fan. So I would always, you know, we'd always kind of rib each other. So I became a Yankee fan and a <laughs> Dolphin fan. The Yankee thing worked out perfectly. I, can't, I couldn't ask for anything more than that. The Dolphin thing has been just misery since jump. It really has, since I got into them, I got into them in 82. They lose the Super Bowl to the Redskins. They lose the Super Bowl in 84 to the 49ers. And really, it's just been like a stock that has just been continue like each time you think oh it's gonna it's gonna bounce back yeah there's been a little blitz here and there but no it's pretty much been all downhill uh I know everybody's raving about the draft class I've, I've lived long enough to know the way to get the experts to rave about your draft class is just have a lot of draft picks they all think that these draft picks are all gonna and mo more times than not it's the team that has like five picks where they nail two of them and the guys are like superstars for 10 years that's who wins the draft that year. It's not the team generally that has like 10, 12 picks because the reason why that team has 10, 12 picks is because they're terrible. That's why they have that many picks. So I was not a big fan of the Tua move. I think that that is a complete mistake. Why you would risk on the most important position when you're year one in a rebuild. Like you don't need, like, yes, you have to get the quarterback at some point. You don't have to get him right now. And you certainly don't have to take the risk that they took uh, on a guy where now you're kind of stuck with that guy for three years and whether or not he's ever going to – he didn't remain healthy in college. Why would he remain healthy in the – show me the last guy who was dinged up in college constantly like he was and then came into the pros and was healthy all the time. The one guy that comes to mind is Curtis Martin. Curtis Martin had a bunch of injuries in, in college, was not really an injury concern in the pros. But, I mean, for every – I mean, there's guys every single year who are injury concerns. And it's been a long time since Curtis Martin was drafted. I can tell you that. Yeah, it has been. And he was, he was a late, he was like a middle round choice too. Uh, what, yeah, I think he was a third round pick. Yeah, third yeah. round pick, New England. And then he signs the big deal with the Jets uh, afterward. You know, also too, Gordon, when you look at your Yankee fandom, right? 
they, they were bad. But Terrible. they had the most. They had the most wins in the eighties. You know, they right. had the most yeah, wins. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There, there is a little bit of a misconception that it was always like the ninety ninety one team where they were losing. You know, all the right. time. They really, they they always had like a good offense. Their offense, even in the eighties, was good. They just never had the pitching. They just couldn't get that one guy that would kind of lead the staff. They try with a bunch of different guys. Uh, right. Andy Hawkins was one. Uh, Dave LaRoche was another guy. Uh, you know, they had a bunch of guys that they tried to bring in. Lito Perez. You know, it just never worked out. Rick Roden, you know, just never worked out. They could never get that ace of the staff. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, with everything that's gone on now, with the Yankees signings getting Garrett Cole and all the hype and the hoopla with him and with this whole season being suspended for now up until this point, where did you see the Yankees uh, finishing at for, for the year, A, and B? You know, what, what's your take on Garrett Cole? Uh, I love the move. Uh, it's a movie you kind of had to make. Now, look, I'm sure at some point it will turn out to be a bad move, right? Like you're hoping that it will turn out to be a bad move in year six or seven. You're hoping it's not going to turn out to be a bad year in year two or three. Uh, I, I thought that the Yankees were the prohibitive, obvious favorites in the American League East. Certainly, probably one of the favorites in the American League. And anything less than a championship this year probably would feel like a disappointment. Like, if you get to the World Series, I, I, it's, it, you're disappointed at the time. It's kind of hard to say that the season was a failure. But this was the year, right? The Red Sox were down. The Reds, the uh, Astros, you know, with the changes that they had. Not that I think that they're going to be a bad team, but I think that that will impact them somewhat. So if the season had gone off as planned, I think the Yankees, even with all the injuries, were set up to be a, a pretty dominant team. So the fact that we're kind of sitting here, and, and right now, it's feeling a little less and less likely by the day that there will be baseball, even though that's what a lot of people believe. And I still kind of holding out hope that there will be baseball. Um, it is kind of, it's kind of sitting here wishing that, uh, that things could be different because the, just from a sports point of view, because the Yankees, this was the year. I mean, they, they were lined up even with the injuries to be a dominant team now with Cole at the top of the staff. Yeah, that's definitely true. That's definitely true. Gordon, Yankee fan, did you have a favorite player or two? And do you have a favorite team like the, the 96 team, the 2009? 96, yeah. I mean, anytime you get a team that wins for the first time, you know, you got to keep in mind, when I was growing up, I, was, I just missed 77 and 78. I was too young to really appreciate that. So they go to the World Series in 81. I figure, okay, this is the year. Uh, they win the first two games against the Dodgers, lose the series in six. And then – that started the, the kind of the downslide, 82, 83. And then, you know, they get into the mid-80s. Mattingly comes along. They have, obviously, Dave Winfield. So they always had you know, Ricky Henderson, who was unbelievable. Uh, so they always had, like, a good offense. And they always had, like, good middle relievers. They always had, like, that one guy they could count out of the bullpen. But they just never had the starter. So I said favorite team would be 96 because that was, like, finally to, to, to taste the, the you know, there was a time where I never thought that they would win. I've never thought, thought that they really get back to the playoffs, even though that was back when, you know, it was just the one, to, you know, no wild card and stuff like that. But 96 would be my favorite team. And I think favorite player, I think for anybody who grew up in my time, it had to be Don Mattingly. Mattingly was the, was the man. So uh, he was the guy. Uh, I was just uh, cleaning out my basement the other day, and I found a whole bunch of old memorabilia. I don't know really what to do with it. I just started hanging it in my garage. So I'm just – I got <laughs> – uh, like a 12-year-old's bedroom now in my uh, garage of Don Mattingly memorabilia. So. <laughs> That's awesome right there, Gordon. That's really yeah. awesome. You know, just in general, though, with, ba with all four major sports coming back, right, 
Which sport do you see coming back first? I'm still going to say baseball. Uh, I got to think that, you know, I was listening to uh, Michael Kay and he had talked to, I don't know who he was talking to, but, you know, with his sources, I'm sure it was somebody pretty high up. And they said that this week is going to look terrible, but that this is all part of the negotiating process, which makes sense, right? Like any, any negotiation you have, you have to be willing to, to put up the front of, I'm going to, you know, if you're buying a car, you like George Costanza says, you got to put up there that you're willing to walk out at any point. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the way it's going to look right now, according to the first that Michael talked to. But by next week, that they'll have an agreement and there will be baseball. So I just have to believe that they can't possibly be that stupid. Like to have center stage to themselves right now, to, to have baseball back on a regular basis. I know there's a lot of obstacles that they got to overcome, but I still got to believe this is right in their wheelhouse, right? Middle of the summer, it's hard for basketball to return because of, the, the time of the season that it's going to be without it impacting next year. Football is still a long ways off and football. I mean, you got 50 guys on a roster. You got so many people that you can't social distance in that sport. Baseball, you would like to believe it's kind of the middle ground. It's not basketball where you have a few guys, but, but you would think that that would be, this would be right in their wheelhouse. So I got to think that there's smart enough people to realize, you know what guys, if we blow this up, if we don't have a season, I don't, I don't think baseball will ever recover. I don't, I, maybe they will, but it will take a long, long time. I think it will be worse than the 94 strike. I really do. Wow. Okay. That's interesting take there, Gordon. Gordon, my final question for you is, did you have any broadcasters or sportscasters that you um, uh, looked up to, uh, Pettinger style, and after? Were there any guy that you really uh. – well, I mean, people who I looked up to uh, kind of, you know, took me, you know, under their wing. I had a, an internship with uh, the former sports director at WCBS Radio. His name is Ed Ingalls, who just passed away not that long ago. He was just a whale of a guy. Uh, he took he, – he taught at St. John's. And the first day he came in and said, who, who wants to intern? Who wants to get into the sports broadcasting business with an internship? And he was just an absolute fantastic person. Uh, so kind, so generous. So he would obviously be the first one. And then as I got into the business, I guess there were, you know, Michael Kay has always been very, very good to me and very kind to me. So that would be, I guess, number two on the list. Uh, but those would be the two big, I don't really feel like I, I don't think I try to not pattern myself after anybody. Uh, mm -hmm. So I hope that I'm not, you know, trying to, I think that what we try to do on our show is, is just be different than everything else. And I really, I gotta be honest, I don't, I, I try to stay away from listening to other shows now because I don't want to, you know, even if it's not intentional, sometimes you pick up little things here and there. And, and it's just, um, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather do something that's bad on my own that steals from, you know, pick up something from somewhere else and, and rely upon that. So uh, I, I try not to pattern myself after anybody, I think. That's interesting right there. Very, very interesting. My final question for you, Gordon, is you're a St. John's graduate. St. John's obviously had the great, great basketball team with Lou Karnaseka, Chris Mullen. And they had their recent return to success, everything like that, but it wasn't on that Karnaseka type of thing. No. Can, can St. John's get themselves back in and make themselves the priority of, of sports here in New York like they did back in the 80s? Well, look, they have the ability to. Uh, like when they got off to the good start that they had last, I mean, look, you look around right now in the winter time, when you get to the winter sport, okay, hockey, 
Rangers are still kind of rebuilding. Islanders are, are a pretty good team. The Devils are, are kind of, you know, are on the back page, you know, the, the, the background a little bit. Uh, right. With the Knicks being as bad as they are, and it seems like they're going to be bad for at least a little while longer as they re- – even if the rebuild goes well, they're going to be bad for a little while. St. John's, if they ever did put together a, a good squad – they would get a lot more attention than a typical college basketball team would, especially if they ever had a run into the tournament or deep into the tournament. Um, I, I think that that, that that possibility is out there. I'm not close to the program in any way. You know, I still follow the games on TV, so I don't know what the issue is. It seems like every single time that they have a decision to make, there's an obvious choice. There's a choice that everybody's calling for and everybody pretty much agrees, you know, that the power of the crowd is, go after this person. And it seems for whatever reason, St. John's always has to, it's almost like the Knicks. They always have to go, they always have to think outside the box when sometimes inside the box is fine. Go with inside the box. You don't have to try and, and hit a home run. And most, I mean, St. John's is pretty much cleared. They haven't hit a home run. So I don't know what the issue is, why they always kind of follow that same pattern of thinking, but it's kind of why they're, you know, resigned to almost an afterthought at this point, you know, they did have a little bit of a hot streak to start last year. And then, you know, everything kind of went kablooey. So hopefully for, for the current regime, things, you know, recruiting picks up and because it is fun when St. John's is good. That is the, the team in town. And it's been, I've been a little jealous because Seton Hall has kind of stolen that, 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 uh, that, that position. And to me, you know, people will say, you know, St. John's has too many obstacles to overcome. They can never be what they are. Well, Seton Hall, why can't you do it? You know what I mean? Like, th- there's other schools in this area from time to time that, that come up and, and they get, you know, a good team together and they get the attention that they need. For whatever reason, um, doesn't do that. Right. Absolutely. Gordon, how do people follow you on social media? Follow You can follow me on social media. I don't really go on Facebook anymore, even though I have a Facebook account. Uh, so you can follow me on social media, either on Instagram, which I'm on quite regularly, Ackward and Dammer, and also on Twitter, Ackward and Dammer. So uh, those are the two big ones. That's perfect, perfect. Gordon, thank you for coming on. And before you go, I just want to tell you, Powell, thank you for waking up at the Superman. <laughs> Well, they pay me, Sean. That's my job. I'm, I'm paid to wake up. It's not like I'm doing it out of the goodness of my heart. I mean, well, that's very true. What very, yes. very true. But, pal, I am a big fan of, of the show, and you Thanks, get man. plenty of calls every day that Likewise. say, "Listen, man, like, thank I you, man. You going I appreciate that and everything." So, thank you so much, man. Thank you for listening, because you don't get paid to listen. I would pay you if I could, but uh, you know, they, <laughs> they frown upon that sort of thing. So. I appreciate you listening, Sean. Thank you, guys. Definitely. Thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. Anytime. Always always welcome back on. Thanks, guys. Anytime. That was the one and only Gordon Damer of ESPN. Well, Gordon's a great guy, man. Great, great guy. A big fan of uh, of his show. And he does great, great things, man. Absolutely. And, you know, you look at what he's been talking about with the Yankees. You look at what's been going on with baseball, the Dolphins in general. I mean, he's lived it. He's got to see the ups and the downs. And not only that, but just him going out there and pursuing his dream. Awesome with a capital A, baby. Awesome with a capital A. Well, any final thoughts, pal? No, no, no final thoughts at all here. Just want to just give a shout out to Gordon Damer again for coming on and sacrificing some time. And yeah, it's just been absolutely crazy. It's been absolutely nuts, but we're doing it. 
That's right. That's right. And no final thoughts from me. Just everybody just continue to stay safe and, um, you know, just continue to do uh, what you can to flatten the curve, um, as they say. So, well, Absolutely. awesome job by you. Awesome job by our, by our previous guests, Brandon Robinson, a.k.a. School B. And, of course, shout out to this show's guest, Gordon Damon, a big fan of his ESPN. So, for my main man, William Trucci, a.k.a. Will C. I'm Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Sean on the mic. On the board sports, signing out. Be safe and stay well, everybody. Peace. Peace out, guys. Be safe.